all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Our skincare should always be an important part of our daily routine, and rashes and several different skin conditions may be prominent in our children and teens. So for this, we have dermatologist Dr. Patrick Bowler on with us today discussing these issues that plague us, both as children and even as adults. Share your comments and questions with us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Our skincare should be an important part of our daily routine, and rashes and several different skin conditions may be prominent in our kids and teens. So today, we have dermatologist Dr. Patrick Bolleron with us, and we're discussing these skin issues that plague us both as children and adults. As usual, we'll be taking your questions and comments, and we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can always send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So today we have uh, Dr. Bowler. He is one of our local dermatologists in the area, and um, he is here to impart some wisdom with us um, about uh, different skin conditions and rashes and anything else you may have questions about. Um, so thank you, Dr. Bowler, for being on with us today. Good morning, Dr. McLeod. Thanks for having me. It looks like we um, have a caller already, so we'll just go straight to that call before we get started. Cindy, go ahead. Um, hey, I don't know that this is a dermatologist thing, but so I have a son, and he plays basketball, high school basketball, and he sweats so much. I mean, even using wrist wristbands and that kind of thing that he gets his hands are so sweaty that he has a trouble holding on to the ball and that and i mean he has giant hands so uh i don't i don't know what to do is there something in his diet or something we can change sure that's a great question cindy thanks for calling so sweating is a natural response to prevent overheating however it can be problematic in a condition called hyperhidrosis where you have excess sweating which can be problematic, leading to uh, your clothes being wet, difficulty hanging on to objects. And so it's difficult to say if this is a a condition that is natural 
or if it's um, a disease in him. There are several things that can be done. Unfortunately, there's nothing in his diet that can help to decrease the sweating, but things that can be done trying to use different antiperspirants that are aluminum-based products. These can be applied to his hands the night before a basketball game. That helps to block sweating from those pores. Those are similar products that you would use underneath your arms as well. You want to make sure that it's an antiperspirant and not just a deodorant because deodorants just mask odor and don't help to stop sweating. Yeah, okay. and there's there's some other treatments. Don't You can use Botox injections as well. Does Ab- that work for the hands or mostly just like the axillary regions? Absolutely. So there's several other medicines that can be used or prescribed by your physician. There's prescription strength antiperspirants or aluminum Mm -hmm. chloride that can be used. There's also oral medicines that Mm -hmm. can be used if patients sweat underneath their arms, on their hands, on their feet, or all over. And then if they just have localized areas that are sweating, like under their arms or their hands, Botox injections or botulinum injections can be used. These help to decrease the skin's ability to sweat in those areas. It is multiple injections that have to be done in those locations, so it can be a little bit uncomfortable, but the results are very good. Uh, can I, okay, so you're saying just apply it to his hands after a shower the night before. Correct. And leave it on there as his day goes on, and then when he plays, he'll, it'll help protect the sweating in his hands. Yes, ma'am. Excellent. Okay, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, and if and if that doesn't help, then I would suggest finding a local dermatologist that could give you some of those prescription medications or even injections and down the road if needed. Okay, absolutely. Because so, uh, I think a lot of the sweat comes from his arms. You know, he's you know playing, and it, the sweat is just pouring off of him. But um, the hands are the big issue, and so I we will definitely try those things first because that's an easy fix. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. We're talking today with Dr. Patrick Bowler. He's a local dermatologist in the area. And um, we're just talking about different common skin conditions that uh, affect children and even adults as well. But we'd love to hear any of your questions or comments, any struggles that you've had with your skin. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So one of the the first and um, ones that we were going to talk about that I feel like I see all the time in children, um, even in adults, and it's a very common uh, rash, is eczema. We see that from babies, um, teenagers, adults. Um, I feel like most of the time you're going to outgrow it. We don't see it a ton in adults, but we see it all the time in children. And um, several of y'all out there listening, I'm sure, have experienced that with some of your kids or grandkids. Um, it can be a pretty annoying rash to deal with because it is a chronic rash. Um, so I was going to get Dr. Bowler to tell us a little bit about more about eczema and what causes it and uh, how, how it looks differently from babies to older children and teenagers and what could parents, what should they be looking for and expecting with eczema? Absolutely. So there are many different types of eczema that present during different ages of life. In children, most commonly we see what we call atopic eczema or atopic dermatitis. In older adults, we see things like numular eczema or hand eczema. But the main problem with all of the different types of eczema is the skin's ability to hang on to moisture. So what happens is the skin loses moisture and becomes more dry. 
This leads to becoming more irritated and sensitive, which leads to rashes, which leads to itching, and also leads to an increased risk of infection. Mm-hmm. In kids who have eczema, it usually presents initially on the face, the cheeks. However, it can continue um, as they age to move down the body, affecting their arms, mainly on the inside of their elbow or the backs of their knees. It's going to be very itchy. Um, it's usually going to be red, dry appearing, and rough. The difficult part of eczema is we don't have anything that initially makes it go away and stay away. We have medicines that we can use to help to control it and decrease flaring, but really either most kids are eventually going to outgrow it or you tend to have intermittent flares throughout life. Yeah, yeah, and it it can be rather itchy, um, and that I think is probably the biggest problem um, with our kids is the itching and the scratching because, like he said, it it makes you at a higher risk for infection. And we we see a lot, particularly staff. They easily get infected with staff and have um, abscesses and different skin infections and that. And then also viruses. There's certain viruses out there that that love eczema skin. Um, and when your child is scratching it so much, that's just putting them at an increased risk for that because our hands, you know, we have bacteria underneath our fingernails. Our hands are constantly touching different things that are contaminated with both viruses and bacteria. Um, and so the scratching is is um, can be troublesome, uh, especially leading to infection is the biggest thing. Um, so yeah, so it's a, eczema is a very common, we see it a ton. And like he said, the lack of moisture is the biggest thing. So moisturizers are the most important thing, uh, to try to help keep it at bay at least. Absolutely. No matter if you have a rash or not, or your skin is completely clear, you want to make sure that you're moisturizing these kids frequently, really every day. Um, the best moisturizers are going to be either a cream or ointment-based moisturizers. We like those better than lotions because they're going to be thicker and they're going to moisturize better. In the summer months, a cream is perfectly fine, but in the winter months, you may have to transition to an ointment like Vaseline or Eucerin to try to help to moisturize that skin even better. Other good tips as far as helping to moisturize the skin is going to be shorter, cooler showers. We like lukewarm baths. And really, you should limit the bath time to 5 to 10 minutes. And the best time to apply that moisturizer is going to be right after they get out of the shower or the bathtub. You want to pat their skin dry, and then within three minutes, apply that moisturizer from their neck down. Yeah. And he brought up a good point. Um, in the summertime, you don't we don't see as much eczema flares. Um, it's more like the wintertime when it's dry and you lose that moisture in the air. So it's it's even more important during those times to make sure you're moisturizing. And I I don't think we can stress the moisturizing enough. You know, just once a day is not enough. Absolutely. You know, three or four times a day, especially if flared, is very important. Yeah. So what if they flare, what can we do? Are there anything out there that we can give them? Absolutely. For first-line treatment of eczema, we usually go with topical steroids. These are topical anti-inflammatory medicines that help to decrease inflammation, help to decrease itching. These are great for flares, but they're not good if your child does not have a rash because it can cause certain side effects, mainly thinning of the skin or lightening of the skin. So we only use those if the child is flared. There are other some other medicines that are steroid-free that can be used, but these are only indicated if the child is older than two years of age. Yeah, and those are all prescription, too, so you'd have to go either see your pediatrician, which most of your pediatricians can prescribe, but, or a dermatologist if it's severe. 
Um, so what are some other things, you know, because kids with eczema tend to have very sensitive skin um, and break out not only with their eczema rashes, but other rashes too. Um, so like what are some tips that you could give parents out there regarding um, lotion, uh, like we talked about lotions and uh, soaps and detergents and all the things out there that they're going to be using every day? Absolutely. So you want to make sure you're using mild non-irritating soaps and detergents, things that are hypoallergenic or made for sensitive skin are going to be the best things. When we're thinking about the the best moisturizers, we like ceramide-based moisturizers, things like CeraVe or Cetaphil products that can be found at your local pharmacies. And then for soaps and detergents, we like things like All Free and Clear or Tide Free and Gentle, which are hypoallergenic products. For just a soap, we like things that are mild and non-irritating like Dove, Lever 2000, Aveeno, and also Cetaphil and CeraVe brands are good. When we think about bath time, it's kind of controversial on the, the frequency of bath, but usually daily or every other day baths are appropriate. Uh, just make sure you keep them short. Yeah. And then, you know, pat them dry. Don't leave some of that moisture in there. You know, don't let them dry all the way before you put your moisturizer in there like we talked about earlier. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, we've been talking about eczema, but we're going to talk about several other different rashes, and we'd love to hear from you. Call us with any of your skin questions or concerns, and we'll continue to talk about the common things that we see in kids when it comes to skin. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 and we'll be back right after the break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I've got a um, 15-year-old boy, and he has acne on his face, mainly in the chin and the nose and the cheek regions, and he has it on his back and his chest, and it seems to start out as clogged pores and blackheads, and sometimes the blackheads get really large and kind of hard, and um, we've tried Diore, and that tends to keep it at bay a little bit. We've, we're starting to try the new thing, different Gel now. I've also tried XL, and I've tried one other thing I can't remember now, but I can't decide if, uh, if it's a salicylic acid we need to go with or a peroxide-type product, or do we just need to see a dermatologist? Should I try to get rid of the blackheads, or should I leave them alone? Um, it's getting a little bit worse. You know, he's had it for about two years, and it's kind of getting it's getting pretty bad now. Absolutely. If it's getting pretty bad, then I definitely would advise seeking a physician to evaluate his skin and determine if prescription medicines are needed. But we can talk about some recommendations that we have that are over-the-counter that may help to benefit him. Kind of what you mentioned, acne starts out as clogged pores or blackheads. Then those little blackheads can become inflamed, red, and that leads to those pimples, zits, or even cysts that can be very painful. 
if you just have blackheads or um, what we call closed comedones or open comedones, then really your better over-the-counter treatment options are going to be salicylic acid or that Differin or Adapalene gel that you mentioned earlier. With that, okay. with that product, you do have to be careful. It makes you a little bit more sensitive to the sun. It can dry his skin out a little bit, but it is perfectly fine to apply that medicine to his full face, to his chest, shoulders, and back area. If he has more inflammatory lesions, like more red pimples or zits or cysts, then your better over-the-counter product is going to be a benzoyl peroxide-based product. That comes in either creams or in washes. If he has a lot of shoulder or back acne, then really a soap is going to be his best bet, something that he can use in the shower um, while he's just doing his normal uh, bath on a regular day. What he wants to do is wash with that, um, his face, his shoulders, his back, let it sit on his skin for about a minute before he rinses it off, and then he can use a regular, just a mild soap after that to get the benzoyl peroxide residue off his skin. The main reason for that is that benzoyl peroxide can bleach your towels, your sheets, your clothing, and I'm sure you just don't want your towels to be all bleach white. Yes, I've experienced that. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah, and if it, right. and if they're if you're still having problems, especially you know like he was saying, probably should go see at least your pediatrician. A lot of the times, the pediatricians can prescribe um, some of the medications that have like antibiotics and things like that in it. But if it's pretty advanced, then a lot of times we will send those to dermatologists. So it, it may not be a bad idea to get them checked out if these if this benzoyl peroxide doesn't seem to help him. Yeah, that green brings up a great point about when you should actually see care. So if you have moderate to severe acne, meaning multiple lesions on the face, then you should see a, a physician. If uh, you notice any scarring, if there's uh, depressions in the skin or there's stains in the skin when the acne lesion resolves, or if the kid is uh, experiencing any negative consequences or um, complaints at school regarding it, then you really should see a physician about it. Okay, and should we use some sort of little oil-free moisturizer if we're using the, the I can't remember the name of that product, but that different gel? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes, ma'am. We like oil-free moisturizers on the label of the product that you're going to use. It should say oil-free or non-acne forming. Those are words that we like to see on products that we recommend. Okay. Really, right. really, really, he should be washing his skin twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening time, and then moisturizing at least once a day. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I really appreciate all of your help. Y'all got a great show. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, yes, yeah, so Sue brings up a great point, acne. That's a common thing I see in the pediatrician's office, and it's I know it's a really common thing you see in the dermatologist office as well. And um, so we kind of hit on it a little bit, but there there are different lesions you see in acne. So we talked about blackheads and the cyst. Um, and so they are, they're all treated differently. Um, most of the time, blackheads and whiteheads, you can kind of treat over the counter. But like he was saying, this more cystic ones, those are the ones that tend to cause the more problems. Absolutely. Um, those are the ones that tend to lead to more scarring and more staining in the skin. And when we want to be more aggressive with treatment. We know it's much easier to treat acne aggressively than to try to treat the scarring later in life. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, So it looks like we have another caller. We've got Barry. So we'll go to Barry next. Go ahead, Barry. Oh, okay. Um, I thought this was interesting. I'm not a teenager um, or an adolescent, but I thought you might be interested in this. I think while I was changing 
belt on my lawnmower laying on the ground. I got some finger bites in my armpits. At least that's what I assumed it was. A very small red red uh, dots. Uh, a little bit irritating, but, but nothing too dramatic. Um, seemed to be very much uh, bothered. I think we, we may have lost Barry. I can't hear him anymore. But I think he was talking about, um, Barry, if you're out there, give us a call back so we can finish talking. But um, I think he was talking about chiggers, maybe, which yeah. is a pretty common thing we see. Absolutely. In the, in the summertime, insect bites, arthropod bites are fairly common, from mosquitoes to chiggers to tick bites. Um, if you have bites, really the best thing to do is going to be either an anti-itch type of cream, things like hydrocortisone that's over-the-counter or calamine lotion. Uh, you can also take things like antihistamine pills like Benadryl or Zyrtec um, if it's really bad. Yeah, and those, those, the itching is the worst part of all of those. Um, and chiggers as in mosquito bites are a little different than, say, like poison ivy, which is another rash we see commonly what would you tell somebody to do for the poison ivy and poison oak? Absolutely. So if you have poison ivy or poison oak, the most important thing is to make sure you keep your skin clean. Um, you treat it similarly. There's nothing that really will knock it out and make it go away fast. But if you're having just over-the-counter products, we like antihistamine products as well, like hydrocortisone. We also like uh, calamine lotion. If it's severe, again, you can use antihistamine-type products. Cool compresses or cool baths can help with some of the itching. And if you have a really severe case, of course, seeing your doctor, there are topical, stronger anti-inflammatory medicines, topical steroid medicines that can be used, even uh, sometimes oral uh, steroid medicines if it's a severe case of poison ivy. And the other thing is just trying to prevent poison ivy, um, making sure you know what poison ivy looks like. If you're exposed to poison ivy, you want to make sure you wash that skin as quick as possible with soap and water. And then make sure you wash any clothing, shoes, or equipment that you were using as it can uh, re-expose you later. Yeah, because it's the, the plant produces this kind of oily, sticky thing, and that's what actually causes the irritation to the skin. And so, like he was saying, exactly. if you if you don't wash, then you're just going to spread that oil and that sticky, and that's what creates more rash all over right poison ivy itself is not contagious it's just re-exposure to that oil that causes it to continue to spread yeah yeah so those are all some pretty common things that you can get cutting your grass um, and exploring in the summertime looks like we have another caller so we'll go to sue next she's in beaumont go ahead sue yes i'd like to ask the dermatologist uh, there's this new show on tlc featuring a female dermatologist surgeon and uh, her name is Dr. Lee. And uh, as a nurse, it really surprises me that she does surgery on an exam table in her office. And she just pushes the patient's clothing aside and cuts in there. And she's removed what she calls the biggest cyst and the biggest lipoid and other huge growths like that in her office. Does that, does that seem sterile to you? It bothers me. It doesn't seem that sterile. Yes, ma'am. So a lot of procedures are done in the office setting, uh, in procedure rooms. The most important thing is making sure that the patient is prepared appropriately, making sure you're using an antiseptic uh, solution to clean the skin, whether it's an alcohol or chlorhexidine product. 
but a lot of procedures are done in the office setting, whether it is removing cysts from the scalp or the skin, um, draining abscesses, or even cutting out skin cancers. A lot of times that is done in the office setting, but you do want to make sure that the patient is properly sterilized and make sure you're using precautions to make sure the field stays nice and clean. Okay, that just kind of bugged me as a nurse, you know, it just bugged me that it seems so unsterile. <laughs> sure. Yes, for sure. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard of the show. It's called Dr. Pimple Popper. Yeah. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard of her. I've just never actually watched the show. Well, you gotta, you got to watch that show. It's, it's amazing. Oh, I bet gosh. it's entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, thanks. thanks for your call, Sue. We'll go next to Mike. He's in Arkansas. So go ahead, Mike. Mike, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, okay. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. Uh, yeah, I recently found out that my 17-year-old son has been sexually active. And the reason I found out is he was in a roundabout way asking me about his genitals, said that he has these places coming up and they look like warts. Yes, sir. And I was just wondering what that would be. Yeah, absolutely. So you can get genital warts, which is a, a type of virus that is called caused by the human papilloma virus. It is a sexually transmitted disease, meaning that he would have contracted um, from a sexual partner. Usually these appear as um, other warts. They may be a little bit more pink colored or a little bit softer than a wart that you commonly get on your, your hands or anywhere else on your body. Um, it is something that we recommend treating because it is something that can be transmitted to other people or other sexual partners in the future. When we think about treating those spots, you really should see a uh, either a dermatologist or urologist, someone that has uh, experience in treating them. Commonly, we treat them with either topical medicines, uh, medicines that help to stimulate his immune system to fight off that virus, or we treat it with trying to destroy that virus by either burning it away or freezing it away. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call. Looks like Barry was able to give us a call back. Go ahead, Barry. Yes, I'm sorry about that. I found a place where I get better reception. Yeah, no, that's okay. Thanks Uh, for calling us back. But the odd thing about this is, like I was saying, uh, activity and perspiration seems a really, 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 I'm sure the armpit isn't just a great place to have these. I've had a lot of chigger bites, but uh, these have really irritated my arm, in my armpit, and one of them started getting large, very large, up the size of a quarter, and it eventually got a head on it and drained. Uh, but keeping that area clean and dry and not having the perspiration irritated was also a problem. And now it looks like one of the, and now it seems to be shrinking quite a bit. It doesn't seem to be a real issue. But How long have you had these spots, Barry? I've, I've had them now for about a month. Yeah, so it sounds like you may have started out with chigger bites and then through the irritation, possibly scratching um, at the lesions, they might have got infected, maybe formed an abscess or a boil. That's what it looked like, right? Yep, yeah, that's usually caused by staph or strep type of bacteria. Uh-huh. You get these little tiny breaks in your skin, and then that bacteria goes in and then creates a basically a wall where your immune system has a difficult time trying to fight it off. 
That sounds like what's going on. And yeah. what I did this morning, uh, I left the soap on under under my arm after I washed, and that seems to give me a, a, a bit of relief. Of course, I haven't done anything very strenuous yet today. Um, Gives you relief but, from pain or from itching? Uh, burning is, yeah. is the primary concern because it's sort of like an open wound and then perspiration seems to, you know, I'm just used to the uh, itching of chiggers or, or mosquitoes, but this is, you know. Yeah, it sounds like you have a little in- infection there on top of just your regular chigger bites. Um, right. If the lesion is not going away, if it's still persistent, really for abscesses or boils, we like to drain those lesions, meaning uh-huh. that we stick a razor blade or a needle in there and pull out the the, the pus that's inside of it. And uh-huh. then you may or may not eat, need antibiotics based on how severe that abscess or boil is. Is, is there anything topical I can... Uh, uh, try to get them to dry up before they start enlarging like that. I, like I say, I, the one's just about gone now, but it's been a nightmare, and, the, and I've got one starting to get some a little bit of size to it. It's starting to get a lump on it. Now the other one's started just a red sore, you know, and now this one's starting to lump up a little bit. Have you ever had problems with this before? No. Never had a trigger bite there before. Usually ankles or waist. Yeah. So warm compresses can be beneficial to help to decrease inflammation, try to bring that abscess to a head to get it to drain. Uh, unfortunately, there's no real over-the-counter products that are beneficial for it. There are topical antibiotic pro- uh, products that can be purchased over the counter. However, they don't penetrate very deep into the skin, so they don't work well for true abscesses or boils. Okay. Yeah, sounds like you may need to go get checked out make sure you don't need especially if they're continuing to come making sure that you don't need antibiotics by mouth because like you said most of the time if an abscess drains that treats the infection Um, and you a lot of times you can get it to drain on its own at home but um, sometimes you need antibiotics by mouth and not just warm compresses and topical antibiotics Um, you know I stopped while driving, and I I did just stop at the doctor's, but they couldn't fit me in today. Mm. So um, that's why I called, actually, and it turned out you were speaking on the same general topic. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I would say, that's a pretty common location to get infections if you already have, like, a little scratch or something there, because it's just a hard place to keep clean and keep things like you said you sweat it gets easily irritated so sometimes you do have to go into the doctor and get those drains and we see those i see it fairly commonly in that area for getting infected absolutely anywhere where skin touches skin like your armpits or your middle part of your thighs it's more likely for you to get new spots just because that is a bacteria and it can cause infections in other places well thank you very much for the information that's been very helpful yeah we hope you get better soon Thank you. Thanks for calling. All right. We have another caller, but hang on the line, and we'll get back to you after the break. We're talking today with Dr. Bowler, who is a dermatologist. We've had some great calls and questions, and we'd love to hear more from you. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 And we'll be back after the break.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. And today we have dermatologist Dr. Patrick Moeller on with us, and we've been talking about different skin issues and uh, that we see a lot in kids and teens, but also in adults. And we've had some great calls and questions, and we'd love to hear more from you. So give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB Ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can always send us an email too at kids at mpbonline.org. So it looks like we have Larry. He's been on the line. Thank you for holding, Larry. Go ahead. How are you? Good. Uh, i got two issues. I am a smoker, and I have, like, two brown freckles on my lower lip. And uh, I don't know if it's from smoking or whatever. Can you help me with that? Sure. So how long have the spots been there? Uh, They've probably been around four or five years. And have you seen any changes in those spots? Have they been growing, getting bigger, getting darker? No, sir. They're exactly the same as they've been since I first noticed them. Actually, my daughter noticed them. So, Dad, you need to get that checked out. So. Sure. So I don't think that it's something that's caused by smoking. Smoking can cause oral cancers, but it's usually not a pigmented lesion that's in your skin. And when we think about a, a dark spot that's on your lip, it can be a couple of different things. One, it can just be a what we call a lentigo or a sunspot, meaning that the UV radiation from the sun kind of caused a, a freckle to appear on your lip. Those are usually benign growths, but we always uh, want to keep an eye on them just to make sure you don't see any changes in them. But just like you can get skin cancer, like melanoma, anywhere else in your body, you can get it on your lip as well. And so any pigmented lesion, we always say it's best to have it evaluated just to make sure that it's not bad. When we think okay. about melanoma and risk factors, you want to look for things that are asymmetric, meaning that one half of that spot looks different from the other half. You want to think about things that have irregular borders, if it has a jagged border, if it has multiple colors within the same lesion, if it's usually just tan and brown throughout, then that's good. But if you have dark browns and blacks and blue colors in that spot, then that's concerning. If the diameter is greater than six millimeters, which is about the size of a pencil eraser, then it's concerning. And if it's a spot that's growing or changing with time, if it displays any of those features, you should definitely see a dermatologist to have it evaluated. Okay. Uh, they're, they're the same size and they're lengthwise and uh, they're brown like a freckle. So anyway, uh, no problem with my lip or anything like that. So anyway. Okay, my second issue is my brother gave me a pair of shoes that he wore for about a week or so, and now I have a fungus under my big toenails. Both toenails on my big feet have, and the nails starting to crop up. Well, I've used every over-the-counter uh, stuff like from the Walmart and all that, with it says it's supposed to be for it, and athlete's feet stuff, and uh, it's not going away. It's actually getting a little bigger. What can I do for that? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that can be beneficial. Not much is available over the counter. Sometimes vinegar soaks can be beneficial if it's a mild case, or Vicks Vapor Rub can be applied to those toenails. 
If that doesn't resolve it, then you really have to have either topical antifungal medicines or oral antifungal pills. There are a couple of different products that can be available through prescriptions, um, some that you just apply like toenail polish to the nails and some pills that you have to take. The issue is it does take a while to get toenail fungus to go away. Really, treatment takes almost a full year because you have to get a new nail that's going to grow. So it has to start all the way back at the, the base of that toenail and then gradually grow out over the next few months. I see. Because uh, I was thinking about, uh, you know, maybe the uh, boric acid, you know, soap or uh, Epsom salt soap that may help it. I don't know. Yeah, if it's a true fungus, I don't think that either of those are going to make that go away. It may help with a little bit of discomfort or, or problems that you may be having, but it's not going to help to treat the actual cause, which is that fungus. Yeah, when you're when, when a fungus gets in your hair or under your nails, it, it takes a long course, and most of the time it's going to have to be a medicine prescribed by a physician. Okay, so uh, I probably should see a dermatologist rather than my primary care. Am I correct, or will my primary care be able to? Most primary care doctors feel comfortable treating toenail fungus, so either one are, are great options. Yeah, and some of the medicines that we use to treat fungus, it's it's probably a good idea to at least talk to your internist if you're on different medications, because some of those antifungal medicines can interact with other medicines if you're on medications for cholesterol and different things like that. So it's important probably to t- hey, uh, talk to your internist. Yeah. Well, being as I got the uh, deal on my lip and, and on my toes, I guess I should probably just uh, see see uh, the uh, dermatologist and let them make the evaluation on both, correct? Absolutely. That's that a sound... great option, two for one. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Next, we'll go to Jerry in Starkville. Go ahead, Jerry. All right, I'll get right to it. I know you guys are busy. Um, I have a condition. I'm not sure what it is. It's from the outside of my eye in kind of a half-moon shape all the way over to my hairline. I will get these things like pimples, but they're not really pimples. They, they hurt. Uh, back younger, when I was younger, I used to try to pop them, and that was a mistake. Uh, nothing hard would come out. And so now if I leave them alone, it, it hurts for two or three days. It feels like a pen almost is sticking inside the skin. And uh, and then they will generally go away. There are times they will come to a head, and I will have to pop them. And then it's a uh, probably a week long process to get uh, to get the area cleaned up and get it back to normal. Is it around and both I, eyes or just around one? Yeah, both both, uh, both eyes on the you know on the outside all the way to the hairline. So it's not really affecting my eye. It's more in that skin area between the outside of my eye and the hairline. And you say that they look like acne bumps, but are not. They look like uh, acne bumps or pimple bumps, uh, but they're really not. You can press them, and it feels like a pen is sticking in my skin. Mm -hmm. One thing that we think about is something that we call periocular dermatitis, which is similar to rosacea. It's a condition where you get these acne-like bumps, but you don't see true comedones or blackheads. And so it comes like acne or rosacea where you get these intermittent flares. Certain things tend to to make it flare up if there's changes in the weather, if if you get sick or have an infection. 
if you're exposed to lots of UV, ra- UV radiation or wind, it can sometimes cause a periocular or even perioral dermatitis to, to a flare. Based on what you're telling me, that would be one of my first things that I th- think about. There's other conditions that can cause a folliculitis, which is where you get inflammation of just the hair follicles or pores on your skin that can also look similar and, and sound similar to what you're describing. And, and nothing will come out of them other than maybe some uh, a little bit of pus, but nothing hard or anything like that will come out. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I promised myself the next time I'm, I get one of those, I'm going to go to a dermatologist and have him look at it because they constantly reappear. They've, they've tended to tone down a little bit as I've gotten older. Yes, uh, and it doesn't leave any scarring or anything like that. Yeah, I think it would be great to be evaluated by a dermatologist. Since it is a condition that comes and goes, it's important to take a few pictures just in case you're clearing up by the time that you're going to the appointment. That way you have some evidence that we can look at so we know exactly what's going on and can help you a little bit more. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for your call. We'll go next to Elle. She's in Greenville. Go ahead, Elle. Ellie, I'm sorry. um, That's okay. Um, I am 48 years old and have developed on my right hand warts. Um, They're all over my knuckles. They're clusters of warts. Um, When I went for my annual checkup, I had my OBGYN look, and he wasn't sure what might have caused that. I wondered if y'all might have any thoughts on it. Sure. And they're just isolated to one hand? Yes, just my right hand. Two things. One, making sure that it's true warts. Warts are caused by a virus, the human papilloma virus. So that's an infectious type of process. So that means you are exposed to that virus at some point. And then that virus kind of gets in your skin and hides there through manipulation of those, those warts. It can spread, meaning it can move to other parts of your skin. So if that spot bleeds, if you're scratching at it, then it's more likely to spread. The other thing is making sure that it's true warts. As we age, we can sometimes get different types of growth that resemble warts. They're called seborrheic keratoses, but generally you would have those in other places as well, not just in one of your, your hands. They're common on your face, your back, your chest. They're also usually a little bit darker than just a true wart. Okay. He did not feel like it was HPV, but um, there, it's the insides of my fingers, my knuckles, so maybe just go see a dermatologist and have them look at it? Is yeah. that Yeah, absolutely. Guess? All warts are caused by HPV, so okay. they're all infectious. So if he didn't think that they were HPV, he didn't think that they were warts. So I would say that there's some other cause there, especially if they're um, that diffuse. I think you should be seen just to talk about your other treatment options to prevent further spreading. And okay. HPV is not just the genital warts. It can cause a variety of different kinds. Absolutely. So there's hundreds of different types of the HPV virus. Common warts are also caused by it as well. Yeah, I see. Good deal. That's what I need to know. I'll make an appointment. Thank you. All right. Thank you for your call. Sure. Bye-bye. So we've been talking about skin, and we've had some wonderful calls. We've got a few more minutes, but we'll take a quick break. Uh, Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. And we'll be back.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. And today we've had some great discussions on uh, different skin issues and different skin care for common complaints that we see in the doctor's office. Um, we'd love to hear more from you. We have a few more minutes, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So um, looks like we have another caller, so we'll go next to Joel. Go ahead, Joel. Okay, uh, it's about cost. So two of the callers were talking about treating a, treating a problem that's going to take a year. You know, grow out another toenail. Grow your skin layers off. It's going to take some time, and everything y'all are telling them is the right thing. But it costs. You've got to figure out, what can I do to decrease the cost to get me to a cure of what is a chronic problem I'm having, okay? Itchy, itchy skin infection, very common here. Me, I've had it, and I've had to go in before. Went last November, had to take a secondary skin infection dose of amoxicillin from November, December, January, February, and it finally sort of, you know, I grew my skin back off and got it controlled, but it will come back, and how do I, you know, keep that, because it's so expensive to treat it like that. That works, but it it costs, and the steroids and the topical antibiotics are expensive. How to do it, and so you've got to get your skin clean and keep it clean is the cheap, prevention's the cheapest way, right? And so uh, how to do that, and to keep it clean, you've got to try something. And if you haven't been keeping it clean, that's where you've got to start. Are you just going to get into something that's real expensive? You're fooling yourself. It'll the other stuff will work, but it's going to cost. Okay, so um, it's uh, keep your skin clean with a Safeguard soap and Betadine, ten percent povidone iodine. Get up in the morning, put the ten percent povidone iodine on there, and let it sort of stay on there a little bit. And you can think about, oh, I'm getting a beautiful skin tan here. Oh, look, it's bronzing my skin. And put it everywhere you get that problem. And then wash it off with betadine soap and keep your skin clean that day and keep your fingers off of it. It's hard to keep your fingers off of it. The best thing to keep your fingers off of it is Golbon Anti-Itch. It's got an anesthetic and menthol in it. Now, there's other stuff that helps you, and it's cheaper, but it, it's hot. It's these muscle rub things, and it's got camphor and menthol and methyl salicylate and phenol in it and those all work and there's many compounds and you've got to figure out what will work for you that costs the least yeah. this gold bond anti-itch stuff will keep your fingers off of it you'll see and it doesn't burn like the cheaper it costs more and so whenever walmart has it on for 25 percent free for an ounce you get four of those things because that means you're getting a bottle one of them free and yeah. that stuff, and you can put it in your cabinet and have it for whenever you need it, because it, you're going to need it if you get these problems that are going to come back. If, which we live in the woods, we live where there's sugars and all kinds of stuff, and I get a folliculitis, and if I don't keep my skin clean, it's going to come back. And if I don't keep my, my feet clean, I'm going to get a skin a, a fungus infection. So you got to soak your feet in some yeah. kind of salt solution or something, and you put on a, there's a stuff at Walmart where you put on it's got acetic acid in it, it smells just like vinegar, and coat that on there, and it will peel off the the, the outer layer, and you just keep peeling it off till you grow out a new toenail. 
Yeah, those are all really good tips. And you you brought up a good point. A lot of the medicines and different creams and things that we use are expensive. And um, sometimes insurance covers them, sometimes they don't. But a lot of times if you talk to your doctors about it, we have coupon cards um, and different things like that that can hopefully help you get these medications. Um, But you're right. You bring, you know, you have to take care of your skin to hopefully prevent these. Some of the skin conditions, though, are inevitable. And um, unfortunately, you know, even if you do take care of your skin, there are some conditions that we just can't always get a good control of. um, And you do need those medicines. But it is very important to um, wash your, keep your skin clean with soap and water. Wash your hands with soap and water to help prevent infection and different things like that. Um, Exactly like you were saying, Joel. So we appreciate your comment and um, your call. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show is engineered by Jay White. I'm Dr. Morgan Cloud. We'll see you next week. This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health a family affair is available at bcbsms.com. We dodge in between the raindrops and rumbles of thunder as we head through the afternoon as most everybody gets at least an opportunity to see some showers and storms. Corn Lake today will see an increasing chance of showers and storms, otherwise cloudy skies, low 90s. More scattered showers and thunderstorms tonight, an overnight low will drop down to 75. Vicksburg, a few isolated showers, a few thunderstorms today. Our high right around 95. That heat index, though, close to 110. Isolated showers or storms tonight, an overnight low near 75 degrees. And in Pascagoula, 50-50 chance of showers and storms, low 90s. Isolated showers, a few storms tonight, mid-70s. I'm meteorologist Sally Russell. This is Think Radio.